COVID-19 has had a significant impact on the sex industry and snap lockdowns and travel restrictions mean that there are times when sex workers require emergency financial relief in order for them and their dependents to stay safe, housed and fed. Sex workers don't get sick or holiday pay and many have no savings to fall back on. The stigma and discrimination that we face means that some have no proof of earnings to access government support and of course migrant workers are often forgotten. Scarlet Alliance and their state and territory member organisations joined together to create an ongoing fund that is hosted on the website Chuffed, that's C-H-U-F-F-E-D. Donations are tax deductible, 100% of funds raised go directly to sex workers in need and most weeks the amount of people applying outweigh the amount of funds raised and sadly people have to be turned away. The link to this fund is in our show notes. Welcome to Somebody You Love or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love and I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording today. I'm lucky to be surrounded by the beautiful bush and mountains of the Darug and Gundungurra people. And I'm on the land of the Ngunnawal people, surrounded by the beautiful Brindabellas. We extend our respect to any elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. It's also really important to keep in mind that the lived experiences of sex workers are incredibly varied, and the things that we say on this podcast are only reflections of our own personal experiences. Now, we've marked this podcast everywhere as being explicit, but in case you missed that somehow, it's going to be explicit, obviously. Today, we're excited to be joined by Danica Deep. Danica is an award-winning transgender escort based in Canberra, Australia. She has a lot of experience in the adult industry, including fetish work and porn. She offers everything from social bookings to GFE and PSC to full domination in a dungeon. Hi, Danica. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Great. (laughs) Absolutely fabulous. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You're our guinea pig because you're the first guest we've ever had. Oh, no one mentioned this. Okay, that's really cool. I just thought. Oh, this did was no like, one yeah, say that? Oh. You guys. No, no one said anything. That's um, it's Holly's you, thrown you yeah. under the bus. So we're we're um we're a little bit uh, nervous actually mm. to be welcoming you into this world of madness that the two of us have created. Well, that's all right. I'm a little nervous to be here, but um, I'm sure we'll get past those. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all quite good at getting past initial nerves and j- just getting into it, aren't we? Oh, yeah, I think uh, you know, a few years in the game, you kind of get yeah. over yeah. those uh, opening door nerves. Yeah, okay. just roll with it. So what what do, uh, sort of drew you to the industry and, like, how? Do, what's your origin story? Um, honestly, I, like, it was something that I want to do from a very young age. I grew up with the internet in dial-up age, in, in the dial-up age, right? But... Um, <laughs> You know, before everyone had the internet, my dad was an IT dude, so I had the net. And I was very, I don't know, sexually explorative, I suppose. But, um, yeah, so I was into, got into the porn and all that sort of stuff quite young. And all sorts of um, various sort of fetish forums and websites, um, which wasn't hard to kind of fake your age to get into. But I remember I was around, I don't know, 13 or 14 reasonably sexually active at that stage but um you know seeing all this porn and these people sort of 
performing and it was obviously work like this was a job and I just thought well like you know as opposed to being a tradie or a doctor or a fiery or whatever I was just like people actually doing this which looks really fun as a career I want to be a dominatrix or a porn star so I literally kind of told myself that when I was I'd say about 13 or 14 but of course that's not the kind of thing that you can take to your uh, careers advisor at school so I kept no. I kept the lid on that for a while but um yeah so it was it was early days and um I kind of said that I did my theory up until the age of 18 because I was living in a rural community and um didn't really have any outlet, which I don't really think that I would have had much of a chance to act upon my urges in real time at that age anyway. But um, yeah, so I had a whole lot of time to sort of engage online, in forums, just viewing different sort of pornography and uh, being inspired in that way during a very you know hormonal period, I suppose. And um, yeah, it was just something I thought was, you know, why not? This is kind of right up my alley. So you would say it's really brewing for a long time. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like initially it was sort of was a fantasy. I'd love to do this, but it was not it was not something that I thought was actually possible. But I did spend a lot of time in these like forums and chat rooms and ended up making connections and, and stuff which, you know, I was actually able to there was there was a yield further down the line, I suppose. So then how did you transfer that or translate that into a real-world situation? When did that happen and how did that happen? Well, like I said, I grew up in a rural situation. But then I moved away when I was 18, after finishing school, down to Mount, Bil- uh, Mount Buller in Victoria, um, studying at La Trobe. So a lot of the friends in my class were de- like uh, based in Melbourne. So, you know, you'd do weekends, sort of travel down with folks, and I'd just disappear. <laughs> And um, I was kicking around with the sort of dominatrix down there and spent some time in one of the commercial dungeons for like a few weekends. And that was kind of my first taste, I suppose, just being a little French maid, getting all dressed up and <laughs> being exposed to the scene. And so there was that. And then, you know, I was up in the snow for a couple of years and did a whole lot of damage to the shoulders. And um, there was another mistress that I was speaking to in Sydney. We'd built up quite a solid connection, like over this year or two. And... Um, I had to go up for a shoulder surgery, uh, like a shoulder sort of reconstruction. And we'd been trying to meet for a while, but I didn't really have the means or like, you know, you can't just, it's sort of 18, you can't just say, mum, go to Sydney, be back at the end of the week. And she's like, why? Who are you seeing? I'm, like, you know, um, it was kind of a bit outside of my uh, capacity. But anyway, so I had to go up, see the surgeon, have a shoulder surgery and so I was uh, visit like I stayed with a friend the night before, and she was staying in Surrey Hills. She lived in Surrey Hills. She was studying up there, and um, I got in touch with this mistress, and I like she knew that I was coming up, and um, I called her once I was at my friend's, and she happened to be like two blocks away, like that's where she was situated, and uh, so I shot over there that night, and I actually got involved in one of her sessions that evening as her alpha sub. Yeah, I like it would just. Blew my mind. I loved it. It was. Can I ask what an alpha sub is? Please, yes. <laughs> oh, see, that's the thing. I'm really out of touch with well these days. But um, <laughs> basically, like, you know, if you've got sort of. Um, I don't know, there's a hierarchy of submissives, I suppose, and the alpha sub is at the top. So in this partic- particular situation, I was like the little schoolgirl and I was her submissive, and the slave, the um, client, was lower than me, so to speak. So he was being directed to pleasure me, please me, whereas I was, you know, bound and whatever else. But um, I had a slightly 
higher position in the overall hierarchy. Here's the mistress up here, way up the top. We both adore her. Here I am down low, and here's he further down than me. So, I love that. Yeah. Uh, alpha sub and beta well, I've sub, just I discovered that I have been an alpha sub a number of times. And I think I've also <laughs> yeah, been really. a beta sub or... Oh, cool. Yeah, I, that's, that's fascinating. Thank you. That's really articulated some experiences I've, <laughs> I've had. Cool. Um, now, Danica, while we're talking about the hierarchy and the um, dynamic between the mistress and, and subs, and I suppose you as an apprentice um, in the, you know, the Dom world, um, what do you think was your experience of that hierarchy and, say, the training processes in the uh, Dom scene? Well, that's the thing. I, I kind of sidestepped it all, I suppose. This particular mistress, she was quite prominent throughout the 90s and such, but she was a private operator. She had connections all through the scene, but we'd built up a relationship outside, like, you know, online for a while. Yeah. I mean, because there was also the... She was a trans dominatrix and um, came from a similar kind of background and such, and part of our connection was, you know, this empathy of her for me in regards to my sort of trans journey I suppose if you want to put it like that but um anyway so when we hooked up there was that and I didn't really like I wasn't exposed to I guess the standard way in which like I've heard about how like you know to become a mistress one goes to the dungeon does the time all that sort of stuff whereas we already had a bit of relationship and I became her slave like a living slave when I came back like I had the surgery I went back to my hometown for six weeks while I was in a sling and recovering and then came up, saw the surgeon, had the sling ripped off. I couldn't work for a few months and so ended up staying with her. And just, you know, we became good friends, but I also became her, like, live-in slave, I suppose, and it was it's kind of a social thing that turned into a professional thing along the way. So you sort of got the shortcut. Yeah, I did. Like, I, I really was very fortunate because I didn't really go through the formal side of things, I suppose. Like, we did to a degree. Like, she trained me in ways, but there was no competing with others. Like, I mean, she'd already, we'd already forged a relationship prior to that. She knew my goals and she knew I was genuine about it. And then she was quite in touch with sort of my, I guess, theoretical experience. And so, yeah, moving on from that, it was just like, it wasn't like a shift a week or anything. I was living in there with her. So it was like being the living slave plus the living apprentice, so to speak. But as I said, I kind of sidestepped the actual, I don't know, what you'd find at a commercial dungeon, I suppose. Well, I imagine you'd learn quite quickly when you're living, when, you know, when it's 24-7. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing because, like, you know, we'll... Like, I was at her house the whole time. She'd do a session. I may or may not be involved. She'd bring me in if the client was cool with it, possibly to observe, maybe to hand her things or possibly use a bit of eye candy. Who knows? But um, Or I'd be sitting out, you know, in the living room and then I'd get the feedback and the sort of um, we'd discuss it afterwards and she'd go through everything and then, you know, I'd clean up, obviously. But, um, yeah, so I never – but as far as the hierarchy goes, like, it was just her and I. And, um, yeah, so I kind of – wasn't really exposed to that. Like, I mean, I'd heard about it, I knew about it, and I just didn't experience it myself. That's such a fascinating journey, though. Um, and along with doing, I mean, you do a, a wide range of things and have done a wide range of things in the sex industry. And I know that you've got a strong collection of online content. Um, I'm somebody who does, you know, online as well as in-person work too. Do you do you have a preference? Do you, do you love the in-person stuff? Do you want to 
Do you prefer doing online? Tell me your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Porn, like I said a bit earlier, when I was younger, I wanted to be a porn star or a dominatrix. And um, that was kind of how, you know, I sort of created a trajectory to, you know, head into the industry. But um, porn, which I'm sure you guys are aware, was it's kind of a grey area in Australia. And it definitely yeah. was back then. I mean, it's changing now with sites like ManyVids and OnlyFans and all that sort of stuff. But trans porn, I found, was really mundane, really run-of-the-mill for years. It's changed a lot in the last sort of five, I don't know, yeah, about five, six years, I suppose. I don't watch much porn these days, which is a bit ironic. But uh, when I was younger, I, like, I was basically a porn addict from, like, I don't know, 11 or 12 through to 28. At that point, light went off kind of thing, like light switch went off. But... Um, yeah, so I was really into making, like I got into making porn, but it was all, I didn't monetize it. It was just on like sites like Xtube and Xhamster. But it was purely to make the porn that I wanted to see because it wasn't out there, not in trans porn. I used to, like I never really watched trans porn just because of the fact that I found it kind of boring. It was just, you know, the same scenario over and over and over and over again. <laughs> that didn't really involve much fetish or like if it was, it was just, again, just really sort of run-of-the-mill settings. Can I can I ask what that scenario was? What, the standard? Yeah. It was, it was either like, you know, one guy getting gangbanged by like five mistress doms or like, you know, the opposite. But there was none of the actual finer kinks. You know what I mean? Like, you have a look these days, there's people like, you know, Natalie Mars, and she's doing all this really extreme stuff. You know, huge anal, sort of gaping, fisting, all that sort of stuff, which you didn't really see a lot of it back then. It was really hard to find. It was just this, you know, trans girl, guy sucks dick. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah, that's hot, but when it's done a million times, it's kind of boring. Like, to answer your question, I prefer the in-person. When I was younger, I was way more of an exhibitionist, and I was creating this porn to sort of fill a gap that I felt was there. But um, these days... I don't know, like, I think after beginning hormone therapy and such, sex drives, taking a dive, and I really now get off on the connection and the growth that I see within, you know, clients and sort of helping people sort of navigate their sexuality. So that's kind of what does it for me now. The exhibitionist side of me is, I don't know, it kind of died along with my 20s. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of it there, but it's not as strong as it used to be. So, um, oh, I can relate to so much of this. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. I'm great. That's awesome. So would you say that that has been a highlight in your sex work career and, and what else has been a highlight for you during this career? Uh, oh, gosh. I, like, there's, there's so much. I mean, I guess what's... God, hard question to answer. Like to specify one thing, I suppose. Like, you know, have been to some amazing places with some amazing people doing just fucked up shit. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) But at the same time, so it's like, okay, I'll give you two sort of extremes just to um, keep hooking around. Yeah, I guess that kind of works in the scenarios. But like getting around with a particular individual. Yeah, this actually, this, this was a bit of a highlight. So I had a client. When I was up in Sydney, and I guess I was kind of his entertainment, quote-unquote, coordinator when he was in town. Um, this is, you know, a big sort of name kind of person. And, um, yeah, like, basically we'd be at these awesome hotels throughout Sydney. He'd come up for a night or whatever, do his work, and I'd basically have his credit card. I'd rock up at the hotel first. His driver, his driver would come and pick me up. I'd go to the hotel, and then I'd just go through. He was a voyeur, essentially. And so he loved me because I was really diverse and he couldn't put me in a box, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was always different. And, um, yeah, so I'd have his card. I'd just be 
trawling through, you know, escort pages, um, dominatrix um, catalogs, or, you know, whatever. But um, I just, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I could get whoever I wanted around to do whatever I wanted. You know what I mean? Like, oh, maybe I want to get topped by like some, like a couple of male escorts. Or I'll get like another dom and That we'll... sounds amazing. That is amazing. That is the goal. That's the dream booking. Yeah, it was, it was mad. It went on for quite a while. But I mean, that was the thing. It was like doing that in all these sort of crazy venues. And I remember being at the top of Hyde Park, just like having these water sports sessions, just like on one of those top tiers of whatever the hotel was. And just like, yeah, just like ridiculous shit, right? It was awesome. But there's that, and that's really cool. And it's just like, you know, it's that sort of superstar experience or whatever, and that's amazing. But at the other end of the spectrum, and this is, I think, more relative to sort of what I do now, is like, you know, I've got a particular disabled client here, and I'm like a very sensory person, always have been. I really love the fact that, you know, this world sort of gives us so many different ways in which you can feel and experience it. Sort of from temperatures to textures to all this sort of stuff. Really love the sensory world, I suppose. I've got this client and he's like suffers severe cerebral palsy and he's really incapacitated. The first time I went to see him, like we had a bit of a plan or whatever, and just realised how unable he was to experience the world around him. And sort of we went through, like, I guess the script of the session, but then I was able to sort of take him on this bit more of a journey just to, like, you know, just the simple way in which one can, like, you know, you just run the fingernails down the inside of your opposite arm. It feels great. Do it. You know, just, you know, <laughs> from your wrist up to your elbow on the inside. It feels amazing. Someone else does that. It feels even better. It's just such a simple thing. He's unable to do that. It's such a simple, simple sensation that you can give to yourself at any given time. And he's cut off from that. From no fault of his own. You know, it was like seeing this guy and it just, it just kind of blew my mind that here I am so lucky be able to, you know, walk outside, get the sun on, um, you know, your face, or jump into a cold pool, or stick your head out the window and feel the air in your face. He's just completely incapable of any of that. And so here I have this opportunity to sort of take him on this sensory journey. And so he got experimental and exploratory, and taking him in the shower and just spraying water over certain parts of his body in certain ways. And then, you know, we tend to have sort of about a three-hour session. And he's buggered after it, but he's just so content. And I'll hear about it for, like, days afterwards. He'll be emailing me. And so that's, like, you know, the impact you can have on someone's life. Like that, like I said, you've got the crazy hotel stuff and all these sort of dreams coming true, whatever. But then having such a huge impact on someone's life, like bringing so much to a life which... Because he's got human contact. He's got his carers and such, but everything's just so structured. And and clinical. Yeah, exactly. And so to be able to come around and really just indulge him in every way, like in all these sort of sensory ways, that he's just completely cut off and he has no way in which he's able to do it otherwise. Is, um, it's quite profound, I've found. That makes me quite emotional. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's it, right? Mm. And so when you say, you know, big pivotal moment or whatever, mm. that's one of those things where you just feel really like it, it moves you. Mm. And I think... yeah. I think those are the bookings that I think we've all had experiences like that and we go, fuck, this is this is what it's about, man. This is yeah. what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. There's so many taboos and stigmas and sort of, I don't know, cliches of what the industry is and often it is some of those things. But then there's this other side which is so much deeper and so much more meaningful. So you also work in Sydney regularly. What are some of the differences that you find between working in Sydney and Canberra? Um, do you find there's a difference between the clientele or...? 
not. Very much so. Like, I mean, there there are crossovers, but I find Canberra, a lot of what I do in Canberra is, as I mentioned, helping people kind of navigate their sexuality. So things are a lot more low-key, I guess. Whereas in Sydney, I get a lot more, say, PSEs, porn star experiences. Seems a lot more lusty or fetishized or whatever. But um, down here, like, you know, it's generally girlfriend experiences and there's generally like a bit of sort of counselling or discussion about like you know does this mean I'm gay or blah 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 all that sort of stuff whereas in Sydney it's just like yeah let's get fucking hot (laughs) so I mean as I said earlier like you know the sex drive's sort of taken a dive and I love the meaningful side of this these days but at the same time to go up there and get a dose of just like yes 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 this is hot this is like you know getting all done up getting all the toys out all that sort of stuff it's really like, yeah, it's fun. But, I mean, if I was doing that every day or every week, I think I just couldn't hack it these days. So down in Canberra, there's something a bit more intimate, meaningful. It's about sort of growth and sort of exploring someone's boundaries or their sexuality or, you know, trying to understand where they're at, who they are. I've yeah. really found the same, which is why I bloody love touring Canberra. Yeah, it's good, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's interesting. The amount, it's happened numerous times, and I actually saw one of these clients the other day, where, like, the partner got in touch with me to book me for their partner because, yeah. you know, they're sort of exploring whatever and I think it's time for them to do this and whatever. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was the second time I've seen old matey and, um, yeah, we'll move it to the next stage. And it was funny. So, you know that call that everyone dreads, the whole <laughs> um, the partner calling up going, you have seen my husband or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I got that and I'm like, oh, you know, blood drained from the face. Kind of just like, wow. And she's like, yeah, it's his birthday coming up. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to book, and I'm like, oh, my God, God. God. okay. Oh, okay. And I knew exactly who it was straight off the bat. But this is just after I broke my wrist a couple of months ago, so I had to oh, hold yes. up. But anyway, so that's who I caught up with last week. Oh, cute. And, um, had a really that's good time. brilliant. Yeah. I'm definitely seeing an increase in partners getting involved in the booking process in some way. Yeah. Um, yeah it's really good to see, isn't it? Brilliant. Like transparency. Yeah. In a relationship, an acceptance of, yeah. you know, a more diverse sort of sexuality as a couple, mm. like accepting of the fact that, you know, I'm not their everything, you know, emotionally and companionship-wise, yeah, possibly, but we're sexual beings and we need diversity at least to explore it or try it or whatever. So it's kind of cool that people are, I don't know, allowing themselves and each other to explore because it's all... I just wanted to say I'm really fascinated, um, I suppose, from a gender perspective. I think that's really fascinating that, you know, couples exploring their sexuality, you know, by bringing, uh, you know, a cisgender woman into the bedroom is, is, you know, sort of the old story. You know, you sort of see it a lot on Tinder hmm. when, when I've been on there, you know, couples looking for some random chick. The unicorn. Um, yeah. Yeah, unicorn hunters. Yeah. <laughs> but looking um, from a diverse gender perspective is really fascinating that the, their partner feels that they can discuss that um, because I know that traditionally a lot of, you know, you, you know, hetero men or, you know, I'm doing that in quotations because it's not always that distinctly clear. Um, but, you know, they're, they're quite awkward to talk about that sort of thing. So that's really cool that that's something that you can then facilitate and help these people explore such a diverse thing. Well, I think, Absolutely. and this is something that being a trans worker you come across a lot like you know people saying you know i'm interested in sort of dicks but not men 
You know what I mean? I mean, you you guys probably Same don't get though. that much. But, um, it's. Uh, oh, no, I mean, know. I have clients tell me that exact thing all yeah. the time. I I have plenty of those conversations, and I'm also interested oh, in dick it. and not men sometimes. Same. So like, exactly. can relate. <laughs> yeah, and so to have this, you know, this this experience with a penis without the sort of the stubble and the hair and that sort of scent comes with the man and the muscles and all that sort of stuff it's um you know to wrap that experience up in a more feminine sort of image or experience is um you know it's it's a bridge for a lot of people i think wow. and it might just be a bridge to halfway along the bridge they never go any further or for some people it might be um a way in which to like you know just just try something new and then that goes into it just sort of lets them slowly break down the boundaries that they've put upon upon themselves to like you know maybe hooking up with a guy further down the track or whatever, but it's just like, or it just means, you know, they love dicks and they love tits too. Or, you know, they just love the scent or the attire or the soft hair or, you know, the hairless body. Yeah. It can mean as much or as little as it, as it has to. Yeah. But it's just, it's, I think it's just way less confronting than hooking up with a big sort of strong man. that's kind of like looking in the mirror and (laughs) touching yourself, I suppose. Yeah. 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 But um, so, and I think that's the thing, people in the, like often when it's the couples, it's about the guy having a bi experience. Because I guess, you know, what you just mentioned earlier, Holly, is like the, oh, was it Jenna, whoever said it about the, you know, the standard was, um, you know, the, the extra girl in the bedroom. And now, I don't know, seem to be becoming a bit more progressive as a society. The idea of having an extra penis in the bedroom is you know, becoming a bit more accepted or a bit more exciting where people can actually sort of venture down that road a little bit more. Good. fucking men. Bloody good. Yeah. And this is this way in which people can do it in a less confronting way than, Mm. you know, get another guy. Because, you know, a lot of dudes are pretty insecure. It's less emasculating. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel... Like, what has your experience been within the industry from the perspective of being a trans woman? Like, do you do you think that there are areas in which the community and or clients can improve? Or is that too difficult a question? <laughs> I know, it's hard to tell. Like, my experience has overall, overall been pretty good. But I put a lot of this down to my origins were as a dominatrix, yeah? So there was always this hard line you approach with respect, Right. Yes. And so that's what yeah. I grew up on. That's what I was used to. And so when I sort of ventured into the world of sort of more vanilla escorting, if people started acting like tools or being rude or sort of gross, I just shut them down and fucked them off. Right. But um, so I, I think I'm pretty lucky in that, yeah, I've got very sort of hardline boundaries and I'm quite capable of keeping them. So I haven't really had to deal with too much stuff. Like I've come across it here and there, but like I said, just boom, gone. They're, you know, they're no more after that. How long do you plan to do this work and stay in this industry? Um, and do you have any future dreams that you'd like to share with us today? Um, actually, funny you say that. Um, yeah, um, one of the reasons I moved to Canberra was to try and figure out what to do next in life. And, um, yeah, I think I found it. Well, no, I've definitely found it. I know Brilliant. I've got something that I'm gunning for, but um, currently going through the process at the moment. Fingers crossed, but I don't really want to jinx myself, so I won't say too much about it. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing. I do love this work and it's been crucial in my sort of personal development. And I feel that, you know, I'm now at a point and thankful of all the work and experience that I've had that have sort of brought me to here and made me the person I am, that I can use that and go further out into the community, so to speak. So it's basically like, you know, what I'm 
as I say, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's a um, community-orientated career, I suppose, with a whole lot of room yeah. to grow and whatever else. But um, throughout my 20s and being in the fetish industry and, like, you know, that sort of stuff, it was all about, I don't know, finding my limits, um, exploring myself and coming to terms with who I actually was. I was very fortunate with, you know, having that setting to be able to do that because it was, like, completely unconstrained, unrestrained. And so I've come up with the best version of myself, I suppose. So now I've sort of reached this point where I'm completely sort of like content with where I am and I feel that I can go further with that and sort of be a bit more involved in my local community. I think that's really fascinating because for so many of us, I think that uh, sex work does become intertwined with our with who we are. Um, and I've heard some people sort of say, you know, like I, I feel that I identify as a sex worker oh, yeah. um, to an extent, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think some people go, Oh, it's just your job. You shouldn't be defined by your job. And, and I understand what they're saying. Um, like I am a person aside from Jenna, but I think you just, Oh, you've really kind of blown my mind there. You've made me think about how much of my personal identity has, has come from my work. Well, on that, like I had a two-year hiatus uh, just before moving to Canberra. This is when I shut down my dungeon. And I was just working like a regular job in property styling. And that was huge. Like I felt like I'd lost such a massive part of myself. Like from being this kinky domination, like, you know, you'd be at a dinner party or something. <laughs> just like, oh, what do you do for work? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the whole table would just be focused on you. And it's like, oh, tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. To turn into just like, you know, just I've just got the normal job and I go through the motions and whatever. It sounds like you're in a really, really exciting place. I'm oh, really excited for I you. I am. <laughs> yeah, I can cool. tell. <laughs> I wish our listeners could see you on video because Danica <laughs> is so expressive with her storytelling. Um, and, yeah, she's, she's very engaging. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. Thanks, Janet. She's compelling, isn't she? Compelling. <laughs> I like that word. You used that the other day and I love that. Envelopes are laminated reusable envelopes that you can give to your provider with their fee inside. Because they are open-topped, the provider can easily and discreetly check that the fee is correct, allowing you both to move on to more fun activities. You could even use them to put letters or little messages inside. You know when you buy someone tickets to a concert and you feel like just a knob giving them a piece of paper? I think this would be way cuter and then they've got a way of keeping it safe until the date. They are $16 for a set of six and there's a link in the show notes. So for our question of the week, we're actually going to turn it into a questions of the week. We asked our patrons to submit questions that they might have for Danica. And because Danica's only here for us for this one episode, uh, we thought we'd throw a bunch of them at her. Woo, lucky me. (laughs) The first question is, how do you relate to and handle bookings with hetero men who want to book a GFE with a trans woman? Um, I'd say that's... A huge part of my clientele, I suppose. But I guess that's yeah. the thing. In a way, you know, I grew up in a very rural setting. Probably half my life was spent as a guy. Like, I've got a lot of connection with dudes. Um, a huge part of my sort of inner circle, friends that I've, you know, grew up with and, you know, are still close, are cis, het guys. Like, I, I understand them quite well. I guess, you know, I can connect quite well with, with um, yeah, sort of, you know, you quote-unquote straight, straight dude. This is what I love about the work that I do now. As I mentioned earlier, like in Canberra, this is 
a lot of like you know navigating people's sexuality, and so they come in and they say that um, like you know does this make me bi or like you know gay or whatever? And it's just like, dude, this just means that you enjoy doing what we're doing at this given point in time. Like live in the now, whatever. Yeah. And there's folks that have come. They've kind of like you know they've really put it on a pedestal and have come and they've had a ball and then you know they'll be coming next week and the week after and then they might sort of ease off after a while to sort of save their bank account <laughs> or they'll start seeing other girls and they'll just you know whatever but there's folks that are just like oh yeah, that's cool don't know if i would do it again and so others are just like oh it's not really me and it's just like it's just one of those things like you know we live in this big wide wonderful world essentially ultimately i don't think there's any rules it's just those that you put upon yourself or that we put on each other as a society and if you like start putting yourself in that box so it's just limiting the experience that you can have and i mean that's the thing we as humans we've got various you know sensations we've got various organs we've got you know whatever but if you just want to limit yourself to say short skinny girls with blonde hair great that's cool you might be able to get all the pleasure you need in the world but if you will open up your world to everything from you know guys girls trans whatever Curly hair, short hair, what, like, you know, that's the thing. There's just all these different versions, sensations, touches, scents, um, rhythms, personalities that you can enjoy. And, like, you know, chemistry is such a huge thing. So, you know, you may get along with one person, one particular way, in a certain kind of dynamic or whatever. Then you might meet someone else and they're completely different and they may put you in your place. You put them in your place. I don't know. It's just like there's so many ways in which to enjoy yourself and enjoy someone else and if you're going to put a cap on that fair enough but if you leave the door open you know the world is your oyster and so that's the thing so a lot of like dealing with um quote unquote sort of straight guys looking for the gfe it's just like letting them realize that this particular experience doesn't define who they are it's just something that they're doing you enjoy it or you don't and it's like if you enjoy it great Maybe seek out more. Maybe don't. Maybe just keep it as that little fantasy that you can have a wank off at night. Or, you know, <laughs> fucking follow it and just get more involved. And what it like, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's a moment in time in which, you know, you're experiencing. However you want to do that, that's great. And, um, you know, whether you sort of feel guilty about it or not is kind of up to you. Like, you know, you, you put those limits on yourself. The majority, like, so to come back to your question, it's basically like it's just sort of counselling folks to just realise that you know this this is it's just like it's 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 about pleasure enjoyment that's what we're having sex for right ultimately some people are doing it to have kids not me obviously but no, um, no, no one no one on the call <laughs> none of us <laughs> yeah but so that thing if if you're enjoying it if it's good if you're not hurting anyone like you know it's like you know if you're just sort of having a good time with someone go for it ah, yeah. Enjoy it. I mean, you know, yes. don't feel bad it's about really it. It's really that simple, isn't it? But, uh, like it is. Like on paper it is. But yeah. for some people it is so hard. Yeah. You know, because everyone's yeah. got their lived experiences and this all sort of, you know, determines how they're going to view it all. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. Ultimately it is very simple. It's just helping people to see that. This patron has asked, have you been affected by lockdowns? And if so, are you coping okay? Is there anything that we can do to assist? Is this a question for me? Because I feel like it's a question. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm just currently in in Sydney where we've got some some, uh, bit of a situation. Oh, yeah, huge. I'm just being a No, Jenna is not going okay, patrons. Jenna needs all of your assistance. (laughs) Jenna is not coping. I just needed to get that out there. Just cash, lots of cash. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, that. that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, living Sorry. in Canberra, we've been incredibly fortunate. Holly will know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, we just seem to sort of, I don't know, avoid most of the. Like, I think in this whole pandemic, we've only really been locked down for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, like early last year. And even then, private workers didn't get no. shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, like I got caught in Melbourne once when they had a five-day snap lockdown, which that was just after, you know, Melbourne had kind of opened up again. And I was staying at Mum's for a couple of days before that happened. I was down there for work. I was about to check into my Airbnb, but um, the press conference was about an hour before that happened. And I got stuck there and sort of put the Airbnb, like, it's got a credit for that. And it was a forced family holiday. I just got to hang out with Mum and... Both sisters were within a 5K radius. And so, I mean, because that's the thing. It's easy to, with this work, especially like when you're touring and just get carried away. Like, you know, go down to Melbourne, see my mum and sisters, but then like work, work, work the whole time. This was just like put the brakes on, mm-hmm. hang out, can't work. Forced rest. Literally can't work. So just, yeah. So it was just like, that was actually kind of nice. But um, outside of that, I haven't really been affected too much. Do you get asked to swap between gender roles during bookings or between active and passive without having a gender role change? If so, how do you feel about it? Uh, and how do you reconcile that with your self-image? Um, as far as the gender role thing, not so much. I mean, not ever. Not like not possibly when I was younger, when I was a bit more gender ambiguous, I suppose. But um I think that's the thing, like, you know, <clears throat> have a look at my website. I'm certainly not claiming to be hyper-feminine. I'm kind of this mix between masculinity and femininity. And so I think that's a thing, like, you know, I'm kind of sitting in the middle of the road already. So yeah. I can't swap to the other side because I'm right there in the <laughs> middle. I'd have to go to one pole or the other. Right. But, um, you know, I'm a feminine individual with these masculine traits and, um, like, you know, remnants of these masculine traits, I suppose. So, yeah, now that's not something I... I've, I've come across down here. Um, as far as swapping roles, active, passive, yeah, all the time. But I think that's the thing. It's more like it's not so much a power play sort of thing. I think it's just like people wanting to experience the most that they can. As I mentioned a bit earlier, like the whole, you know, you've got all these different organs and, you know, there's different configurations. You can make them interact, I suppose. <laughs> like, you know, yes. when it's a girl and a guy, there's two holes in her, a hole in a, you know, stick on him. <laughs> put it very crudely <laughs> but yeah so you're kind of limited when you when you've got like you know the guy and a trans woman and you know these these options have just opened up to this guy that he's never had to experience before but at the same time he still wants to put his stick in the hole <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but he, he, he's keen to try it the other way around too yeah. and so I mean as far as how I reconcile that with me I mean I've been in the game a long time like what I didn't mention about me getting into the industry was that like i I was always a submissive initially. Like, naturally, I was a submissive. Oh, interesting. But, um, you know, when I was talking with the mistress, when I was a slave, I was like, yeah, I'd love to be a pro-sub. And she's like, well, it's probably not a huge amount of work for someone like yourself as a pro-sub. However, if you're a dom, yeah, you know, they'd be beaten down the door. And um, Can you elaborate on, on that, why there wouldn't be a huge amount of work? I mean, that's the thing. I was a six-foot-tall, like, kind of cross-dresser, I guess, at that stage kind of sub so i mean masculine to a degree right and so yeah probably not 
However, interesting. You know, a six foot tall trans dom with a functional dick. Yeah, they all want kind of thing. But Mm. I mean, that's the thing. So I kind of trained myself to be dominant and to be the top, like for a sort of you know professional kind of you know commercial capacity. And um, you know, after being in the game for years, doing that grew to enjoy it and love it. And so now, like, you know, I'm, I'm quite versatile. And so, you know, being passive, oh, you know, the top or whatever, um, active, it's just like it, it makes no difference to me. I'm cool. Either way, it's all good. <laughs> but, cool. um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. Generally, I prefer to top first. I mean, being on hormone therapy and such, it's, it's constantly, it's pushing water uphill, trying to maintain an erection and a strong erection for a while. So if I can get in first, yeah. <laughs> all the best to us. But um, yeah, and then after that, yeah, like, like you know, go, go crazy. But I mean, like, you know, I, like I said, I enjoy both roles these days. And so if someone wants to enjoy both, great. If they just want to be the top, awesome. If they just want me to top them, great. I mean, yeah, that, that, that makes it's makes no difference to me really as far as my identity goes like i mean i'm 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 fine with all that like i said i've been in the industry for coming up on 15 years i guess so it's in a way it's like growing up in the hometown all these people went off and got their trades this was mine so you know to a degree it's just like it's work it's work that i rather enjoy but at the same time it's like you know it's like swinging a hammer for someone it's just it's 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 what i do happy to do it and um hey if this is how you want me to quote unquote build your house or Service Swing your, yes. yeah, fix, fix your plumbing. <laughs> so to speak, so do it. I've got the skills and, um, you know. Got the skills got the and the tools. I can do that for you. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a really good, that's probably a good time for me to ask if you have preferred pronouns because I totally made assumptions. I mean, this is, I, not, not, not really. I mean, I, I've got a pretty, oh, I don't know, unique view on this, I think. And I think this stems from, I've got really supportive friends. Like, you know, I grew up in this rural community and I'm just going to say, I come from Wagga. Anyone who's wondering. But anyway, and I've got a huge support from there and all my friends are really, really great. And uh, one of the things that sort of held me back in starting hormone therapy for so long was, was my thought that maybe me transitioning may take away the personality or the, not the personality, but like the person that people knew me as. I felt like I didn't want to do that to my friends and such, right? And I was talking to someone about this and it's just like, like, you know, you, whether you take this shape or that shape or dress up like this, it doesn't matter. You're the individual. Like, you know, we love you, the person D, right? And so that kind of feeds into my pronouns. Like, I guess preferred would be she, her. I say this and this may be controversial to some or something, I suppose, but it's like, I don't know, I'd like call it how you see it. And I think that's kind of like I'm quite confident in who I am. Basically, when it comes down, I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks about who I am, right? <laughs> the most important person to satisfy here for me is me. And I'm confident in who I am, right? And so if someone wants to call me here and whatever, it's like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'd prefer if it was a she, but um, ultimately it doesn't matter because I know who I am. I know who I am being or whatever. I feel completely comfortable in my skin. And however old me over there perceives me fair enough that's him like perception is reality right for the individual and for me i perceive myself as this and if they perceive me as that fair enough why not whatever but uh, it's just no skin off my back so i think i don't know i'm just very comfortable with the person that i am and i guess as i said my preferred thing i love it yeah it's just 
And uh, like, it's very important to some people, and I get that. It's just for me, it's not so much. I just, I just feel that um, if you put too much weight in other people's perception of you, you kind of put yourself as a disadvantage. Okay, so just be co- completely confident in yourself, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, that's how I am. Probably over the same. Um, so that's no, uh, great. I, that's an awesome answer. Oh, I mean, right. that because I was, I was using she/her, which I forget that because that's what I'd sort of seen on your advertising. Yeah. And then I went, well, wait a minute. That may not be. So I was like, oh, fuck, I should have actually. Oh, and probably because Holly had used those yeah. as well. well. But anyway. There's another element to my saying, call it how you see it sort of thing. And that's like, I kind of use that as a litmus test. Because, you know, it's a transition. Like, you know, this is, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Like I began, I say I had a long social transition. Like, so because I started working in the industry when I was like 19 as a, like a trans dominatrix. So I was dressing up and all that sort of stuff. But I was also able to exist in the capacity of a male like you know if my friends were going out bmx riding onto the beach i'd just wear board shorts but if i was in the dungeon or going out at night i'd be you know in a frock and all the rest of it but so i had this long period in which to sort of transition socially i suppose but then and it's done hormone therapy and such it's it's a bit different and you kind of like you know you want to like you know there's all these changes that are happening like the hair starts to soften there's a bit more body fat and all this sort of stuff and, um, like, the whole call it how you see it thing, I guess, like I said, is a litmus test in that, like, you know, I've, I've noticed of late more people are just naturally addressing me as her and she. Some people will say he and him, but, you know, people see things differently. That's one thing I've found in life. Of like, five people can look at the exact same thing and have completely different perspectives on it and see it differently. And so you've got to factor that in. But at the same time, it's just like when everyone, well, when more people are addressing me as she and her, I just feel like, oh, the hormones are working or maybe my style is getting better or whatever. And so this is kind of gratifying. And like, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, it was less of that. And so it's, you know, back then it was probably a little harder to cope with, maybe. But I was aware of this fact and that like, you know, this is a gradual change. And so when more people are saying she and her then it just kind of means, you know, it's all working. It's going in the right direction. It's coming along. So that court, hey, see, it has a bit more than just whatever, I don't care. But um, it's just like it actually it's becomes more and more gratifying as time goes by because it means the, you know, the hormones are working, my whatever, I've had breast surgery, that helps. And Love the boobies. I don't know, the way in which I interact with people. Oh, thanks. No, they're I actually <laughs> need to get a little bit more exposure for them. Yeah, you've got to get them out there. Yeah, I, I need to get a photo shoot happening. Actually, I was meant to do one earlier. Well, I was going, I was planning a big tour. Um, yeah, it's hard with the June, lockdowns. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then did the wrist yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So Yeah, um, that's right, the wrist yeah. too. Can I ask when you when you did start hormone therapy? How long ago? Yeah, um, that was beginning of 2018. I was actually... Oh, right. Yeah, I was about to start... Like, I was set to go at the beginning of 2016, but this is like I'd just come out of a relationship... And this is when I shut down the dungeon, actually. And it was just like, there was a lot on the plate, a whole lot of emotional baggage. And I just thought, it's probably the wrong time to do it. So mm. took my hiatus and uh, came back a couple of years later, got on it then. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Like, it just felt, described it like, you know, it was kind of a boat without a rudder or something up until that point. Because like I said, I was sort of, you know, they had that long social transition, which I could be he or her or whatever suited the that particular point in time, what I was doing, um, whether riding a bike or at the beach or, you know, going out and hanging out with people. But um, just felt like I was sitting on the fence. 
like as far as progressing in life, I needed to like you yeah. know just actually get my shit together and forge a path. And um, yeah, getting on the hormone therapy, it was just like boom, there it was, it happened. I mean, I was Brilliant. able to you know pick the path that I always knew was mine and move along it. It's been absolutely great, and that's that's kind of what I alluded to earlier when talking about you know aspirations outside of the industry it's like having all these growth periods and these opportunities to sort of explore myself within the industry I mean having the free the industry has given me the freedom to do so now I'm at this point which yeah I'm completely content with kind of who I am and I feel that I can move that into another industry and um, put more into the to the local community I suppose so yeah I just, I don't know, do you, is, uh, excuse my ignorance, the hormones, do you need to now take those for the rest of your life? Like, is is the transition? Yeah, pretty much, as far as I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> too, I'm pretty blase about it. Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I just outsource all the, uh, all the important stuff to my doctor, I guess. But um, yeah, so personally, oh, I take hormone blockers in a tablet form regularly, and then I get an implant sort of every sort of six to eight months for sort of estrogen, which, yeah, that's ongoing until something, maybe technology changes or something, but as far as I'm aware, that's pretty much how it is for everyone. It's an ongoing, yeah, battle, I suppose. Yeah. It's, I uh, think that's that's been a really interesting perspective change in my mind. I think I always thought of the transition as being... Like it's a thing, it happens, then it's over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, it's over. Yeah, a lot of people exactly. think that, but yeah, no, it's... But you sort of reframed that for me. Yeah, no, it's um, something that's um, consistently ongoing. Our final patron question is, how do you cope with some of the self-fetishization that comes with being a trans worker? For example, possibly using terms in advertising that may be considered offensive to the trans, sorry, to trans people outside a sex work context. Yeah, I think that, that, that's interesting, very valid question. I mean, I think a lot of these terms, and I'm thinking like, you know, chicks with dicks and she-males and all that sort of stuff, uh, hmm. derived from, you know, the porn industry. I think when I was younger, um, I probably had a bit more to do with it, like, you know, and those sorts of terms. But I think I was kind of fetishizing myself a bit to a degree and I'd kind of use that energy for arousal. And so, like, you know, and I'd sort of see more clients that were seeing me as a sex sex object. But at the same time, that was this kind of reverse in which I was seeing them to get off, to sort of play that role. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, like, you know, I was that sort of female this or that, this, like, you know, uh, whatever, the the object, like objectifying myself, and then here's this person that's objectifying me, and then I'd sort of be in this headspace to here I am getting used to do this or that or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so there was that, and that's, it was all just, I guess, superficial fantasy, really. But these days, it's not something that I'd sort of, I'm too involved with, I guess. You read through my website, I think, use the word transgender once and transsexual once, thereabouts. But I don't really use many terms like that. I'm, I'm more talking about the experience that I have, the experiences that we can... Like my history, my experiences that I can work with and, I don't know, I'm not one to get too lewd or sexual in my advertising. I kind mm. of aim to try and have, like, witty writing that's appeals to someone seeking something of more depth, I suppose, than just the, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I can kind of, like, you can kind of tell, I think, the clientele that um, sort of object, 
defy me. And the ones that sort of they'll come, have the experience, and they'll sort of just dash out the door. Then there's others yeah. that, um, like, you know, we end up in a discussion, we'll talk, and we'll talk about sexuality or not, and it becomes more they're seeing the person, the individual. And so that's, I think, yeah. with my advertising, like, I mean, some of the websites, yeah, they're pretty, you know, behind the eight ball. They're sort of struggling <laughs> to catch up. And I've seen that in some, especially some of the more lowbrow ones where, yeah, they are using like, are you a lady boy or are you a chick with a dick? And you're like, oh, yeah. gosh, do I have to choose one of those? But Oh, um, they're the options, yeah, are they? Kind of. Like we have, <laughs> I was, Kind of void, but I'd like I'm, I've seen some stuff like that around. That's that's like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Well, you see those words getting flying around in some websites. They're, they're not not so prevalent these days, but um, but I do remember there was a time when I guess part of it was still fantasy for me. Like before I was on hormones and such, like you know there was dreams of who I wanted to be, and I'd advertise that because then that fantasy would get reinforced when I was seeing a client that was seeing me to live that out from the other side of the coin. You know what I mean? So it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was affirming, I suppose, to a degree. But, I mean, that's the thing. If I carried that on now, I'd, I'd, I'd probably feel pretty shit about it because I'd just feel really objectified. But I've, mm. I don't know, I guess my business and my image and whatever has kind of evolved and that's, it's turned to something else, which is, it's, it's more about me as an individual as opposed to me as a particular arrangement of body parts, if that makes sense. Oh, look, it makes so much sense to me. I feel like I've had a very similar journey, obviously with a lot less, um, you know, potential for, for prejudice involved with the language, but, you know, I'm a squirter and early on in my career, that was why people came to see me. They came to see the liquid that came out of me. Yeah. You were Jenna the squirter. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. It's like absolutely. you're an attraction was, or something. That's yep. kind of your thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And I've no, yeah. and I still do occasionally get those bookings where somebody comes yeah. and they just like, I just want to see this, and I'm totally cool with that. I'm like, that's fine. You're paying me the money. That's what you're here for. Great. But more and more, yeah, people are coming to see Jenna because yeah. they want to see me and the squirting. Yeah, happens and, and but that's the fine. human behind it and the personality and yeah. like the individual. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. This is one of those things that sort of gets overlooked in the idea of sex work from you know, people that are outside of it, that are, like, you know, still taboo to. It's just, like, it's so much more than just that superficial stuff. For some people, that's what it is. And this is what I find, you know, when you get, especially the sort of young people that, like, you know, it may be the first time they're trying to book someone. It's like they've just taken their, I don't know, advice or whatever from a fucking American gangster film or something. <laughs> And they're trying to be like, yes. oh, yeah, hey, bitch, how, like, you know, you come suck my dick yeah. and I'll give you 50 bucks. And you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no. Have they you completely, read my books? Yeah. They, they abandon all social constructs and, and yeah, just. Absolutely. All yeah, skills. It's very strange. All skills just out the window and they just feel that there's this, like, you know, there's this massive power play going on and they're here and we're here and, you know, Oh, it's just really weird because it's so far removed from reality. Yeah. Well, little do they know that the power play really goes in the other direction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they work it out it? soon enough. And I mean, it's interesting because sometimes, like, I'm just so taken aback just going, what the fuck are you talking about? But I'll either grill them or just ignore them. And sometimes, especially when they're younger folks, it's like I'll grill them and they'll just be like, oh, well, oh, sorry. And then the whole tone will change. And it was completely, yeah. it was. Like, it was, it was totally performance. That is not who they are. They just thought that's what it's meant to be because they've watched a few films that are based yeah. in the States. So I don't know where, they, where they're influenced. 
but it's just it's it's yeah it's it's so far removed from what it actually is So we decided um, that when we had guests on the show, we probably wouldn't do our misconceptions section just because we're hoping to break down misconceptions by having the guests on anyway. Um, And we didn't want to sort of overwhelm them. But when we said to Danica, we didn't know if we'd do all of the segments. She said, no, no, I've got I've got one for shit people say. So um, go for it. Share it. Share it with us. Um, Well, this one's I guess I've got a particular example of something that a lot of people are a bit more vague with. Haggling is what it comes down to, right? Haggling and a provider's rates. Anyway, so um, I'm kicking around in the garden. It was autumn 2019. I know that for a fact because it was just a bloody good morning and we're in Canberra and so autumn's, you know, tits. But um, anyway, so like you know, I'm having a ball in the garden. This guy contacts me and he's looking for an appointment, like an hour appointment in the evening. I'm like, yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. Girlfriend experience is what he kind of described. That's sweet. That's, um, this is the rate. He's like, okay, cool. How's about we do it for this? And I'm like, uh, no, like I've just, I've, I've, I literally just told you my rate. This is what it is. This is my rate. Like, you know, they're non-negotiable. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh yeah, sweet. And I'm really into what you've um, been doing. I've, you know, checked your profile, all that sort of stuff. I'm really attracted to you. It's like, yeah, okay, let, let, let's do it. But we'll do it for, you know, the rate that he suggested. <laughs> I'm like, then I just texted him like, you know, my services list. Like, you are up to my service list. I'm like, no, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's set in stone. These are the rates. You pay them when you don't. Anyway, this kind of went on for a couple of hours, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, okay. Obviously, don't want to see me. Oh, you know, you're not prepared to pay the rates, whatever. So he contacted me later that night. I think he was looking for a booking around 7 o'clock, and so, or 7.30, and he contacted me about 6.30. He's like, so, are we doing this? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, we haven't made a booking. And he's like, yeah, yeah. No, like, you know, if you'll see me for, you know, his aforementioned rate, or whatever he said, like we're on. I'm like, no, I've told you multiple times throughout the day and I've sent you a list of my rates. This is what you're paying for that service. Like we've determined that it's a GFE. We've determined that it's this rate. I mean, if you're not prepared to pay it, okay, fair enough. But I mean, that's if you want to come and see me, this is what you're paying. He's like, look, yeah, no, I get that. But um, like, let's look, I'm happy to pay this rate. Severely under what was my actual rate. Oh, it's infuriating. Like, okay, yeah, no, anyway, I'm just going to sort of blacklist you. Don't worry about it. I've told you numerous times you don't haggle. Like, I mean, this is the thing. And then he's gone to say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, but, like, I was talking to a friend about this, and he said, and this is what's important, this bit just here, folks. It's like he said that a friend told him that this is how it is, this is how the industry works, you negotiate the rates. <sighs> and I'm just like, well, I'm sorry, but your friend has really really misinformed you and quite frankly like i'm in a very like fortunate position like i know i've been in the game for a while i've got a reasonable reputation there's a bit of demand so i can turn people back there's folks that aren't that fortunate and trying to haggle their rates i see it as predatory behavior i told him all this and i mean that's it there's some folks that like you know this is you know they might get a session or two a week kind of thing and this is what they're trying to live on and they've got some dude who can pay, who just chooses not to due to the power play or something, is going to try and haggle their fucking rates. Because his mate told him that's that's how it works. Like, you know, these girls, they just charge this and what, or they say that, but they really want this, or this is what they're happy to take. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it ranks. If someone advertises their rates, that's what you're paying. If you want to um, contract their services, cool, you're paying their advertised rates, right? Unless there's certain services in which you negotiate. Like I do that. Like if it's, if, it's, if it's a long period thing or there are particular fetishes involved, yeah, I'll negotiate. Sure. But I mean, you know, it's on my terms, right? But this guy, it was not that. 
It was basically, here is what I'm charging. It's like, okay, I'll just give you, I don't know, 60% of that. Exact same service, but this is what I'm doing. Like, you know, this is what I'm going to offer. And it's like, no, 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 this, this is not how it works. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I guess the point of, like that was, like I said, that was just a crystal clear example of what not to do. <laughs> if you're going to contract a provider's um, services, well, you pay that provider's rates. We've all got our place in the market and all the rest of it. And I mean, that's the thing. You find a provider that's providing what you want, what it is that you're seeking for a rate that you're happy to pay and everyone's happy. You don't, you don't start demanding. No. Like you, you... Well, that's, yeah. Like you, I'm, I'm quite fortunate and, and I'm able to turn people away. And if somebody haggles with me and then goes back on it and says, oh, no, that's fine, I'll pay your rate, I still won't see them no. because I think that they're trying to play a game, they're trying to pull power, they're not – respecting my time and my business and it just put like I think oh I don't know if I want to be alone in a bedroom with you mm. if you think that that's appropriate well it's it's uh, it's pushing your boundaries like you know yeah, it's it's exactly. the whole idea of like no it's like oh no it's means kind of yes flag. though right and it's like no exactly. no, 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 no 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 there's hard limits yeah. here and you and you just push past it or you try to yeah and I think like like I said the, the the biggest thing that pisses me off about that is that there's you know, there's folks that will say yes to what he said. Yep. And it's up to all of us as providers to hold the line so that those that are less fortunate than ourselves don't have to put up with those fucking assholes. Because if enough people just shut them down like that, then that one time they contact someone that might cave because of financial pressures, then maybe this person's been told no, means shut down enough times that he doesn't haggle with that person and they get an extra 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever it is. And that's the difference between making rent or eating well or whatever for the week for this particular individual. So it's just like trying to maintain a standard within the industry for those that aren't as fortunate all the time or whatever. And I think, yeah, I don't 100%. 100% agree. Thanks so much for joining us today, Danica. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. You're so honest and fascinating and we're sure our listeners will find your views really informative and entertaining. Oh, yeah. It was an absolute pleasure to be involved, Jenna, Holly. Thanks for having me and, um, yeah, hope to see you guys around. Look after yourselves and keep up the good fight. It's been an absolute joy. Much appreciated. Bye. Bye. Thank you. See ya. So every week we put out our episodes on a Thursday, but if you'd like to hear them a day early, we post them on Patreon on Wednesdays and all of our patrons have access to those episodes. They are ad free and 24 hours early. There's also a bunch of other perks you can suss out depending on which tier you choose. We'd like to thank our very generous somebodies, Lachlan, Timmy, Steve, our footstool, Spaceman Dan, Pete, Adele, The Alice Gray, Big M, Scott C, Sammy Jane, Bart, Barlaman, Randy Wagner, Robbie Hart, Andrew, Andy, Leo, Nani, Theodoric, Natalie, Adam Smith, Mal, Bruce McDermade, Gricie, Pedro, Ben, Dale, John the PM, Mama B, Maddie Andrews, Larry and Leslie. We also have our extremely generous somebodies and they are Aaron, Samuel and Andrew. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. 
Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month, and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers, and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker.